Welcome to the Startup Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Nick O'Neill, and this is episode number 11. This week, I'm speaking with Chris Hexton of Vero. We discussed a number of things about email marketing, including increasing conversion through segmentation, how to improve transactional emails, and the future of email marketing through personalization. I'm really looking forward to speaking with Chris, so let's get started. How's it going, Chris? It's going excellent. Thanks for having me here, Nick. It's a pleasure. Yeah, so I wanted to start things off uh, before we jump into a lot of the lessons that you have in terms of email marketing. I wanted to find out, you know, what is Vero and how did you get started? Sure. So Vero is an email marketing platform. And what we're building is, is a way for customers, to, our, our customers, to track what their customers do on their website and then turn that real-time uh, event-based data into emails that actually convert. So uh, we're trying to build a really simple platform where you can log in, you see all the real-time activity on your website, create meaningful segments out of that, you know, customers who have just signed up, customers who want a free trial, customers who are paid, whatever the important lifecycle segments for you are, and then automate emails around those segments so that you can get conversions happening whilst you sleep, essentially. And uh, I think you said, how do we get started as well? Yep. Yeah, sure. So we, we started about two years ago, and James, my co-founder and I, previously ran a consultancy. So we works building web software, so generally e-commerce stores, sometimes um, software as a service products for other people. And we found that on all those projects, you know, people would want this automated smart email and we build it in there for them and you know, they'd have a first cut of what they want these emails to look like. But generally what would happen is you know, a month, two, three months later, the client would come back and say, hey, now we want to change how these emails are being sent, when they're being sent, what they look like. And it was fine as a consultant to, to help them do that, but we realized that it was crazy that these medium-sized companies or small companies couldn't do this sort of automation themselves because there was no product that catered to them. Um, you know, there was Exact Target, Infusionsoft, some other larger products that cost thousands of dollars a month, and they just weren't suitable on top of being really complex pieces of software. So uh, we thought, let's try and you know, build something ourselves, validate it with the market, and, uh, and that's how it all began. And it's been going really well ever since. So you've been around for a couple of years. Uh, you've seen, you've worked with a bunch of clients. You've been observing how other people uh, succeed in the market with email marketing. So let's jump right into a number of strategies, I guess. Before we started this interview, uh, you had mentioned a number of things. And one of those was segmentation. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. I thought I'd kick off with this because it's something that uh, has been really relevant for us over the last six to nine months. It's something that is at the core of our product as well. Um, so the idea of tracking what your customers are doing allows you to segment on more and more variables than you could in the past. You know, we're in an age where you've got more data at your fingertips. So what I mean is typically back in the day, people would have a list of subscribers. They might collect some user demographic data like age or location and segment around that. Uh, what I believe the new paradigm is is saying, well, what pages did this person visit? What products did they view? What features have they used, et cetera, and segmenting around that. And what I wanted to talk about, because I think people find it really interesting, is that you know, as a SaaS business earlier this year, I did a review of our own emails, and um, I'm talking about all forms of emails. So you know, not only automated emails, but also the, the newsletters or blasts we were sending out um, with offers or updates and things like that. And I basically looked at our analytics data and Google Analytics, and I was trying to work out well, exactly what conversion rate were we getting on all the emails we were sending, you know, the click, the click rate we were getting. And the number wasn't something that I was thrilled with. Um, so I believe it was, it was a just around 2%, it was like 1.98% or something like that. So in other words, you know, of all the emails we sent, 1.9% of people were taking the action we actually wanted them to on our website. And I set about saying, well, how could we increase this and make it uh, much more effective? And so we, we were able to lift that number by about 250%, and we got it up to 7.8% of people 
um, on average converting across our email campaigns, which we were thrilled with. And the way we did it was essentially segmentation. So I've got some examples of what I mean. But we decided that you know, we didn't want to just increase the number of emails we were sending. We didn't think that would be effective. effective. Our hypothesis was that you know, by sending the same number of emails per week in total, but you know, targeting people based on more granular segments, based on what they'd done in our uh, SaaS application, we'd be able to send emails that actually mattered to each and every person, and that would lead to more conversions. So that's what we did. Um, a couple of examples that were really fruitful. So, you know, and some of these aren't that complex. Like it's it's more just having this idea, the the getting used to the paradigm, thinking about how can I segment and where little pockets of uh, of useful segments that are going to return return you know conversions for me. Um, so one we had was you know a couple of years ago we did a, an offer with AppSumo, and it was a year long offer for a ridiculously reduced price. And we did really, really well out of that. We had a lot of happy people come on board. And we you know, started looking into this and we realized that there are a bunch of people whose AppSumo deals weren't expiring yet, but they were expiring soon. And so for us, that was a segment where we thought, well, maybe we could get these people to come on board earlier, uh, which is good for us, good for retention, good for lifetime value. So we put together, you know, an, uh, rather than sending a more generic offer to come back and try, try a trial again or something that we might have sent to the bulk of our subscribers from our blog, and we put together an offer just for that segment that was, you know, save another $600 this year uh, if you upgrade early you know, from your AppSumo plan and uh, and stick with us. And so we gave them, you know, a discount. We gave them some new features and many of those customers switched over. And so just an example of where previously we hadn't even noticed that that segment was there because we hadn't uh, been trying to break things down into these really granular segments. And when we did, um, we saw much better results. The same thing went for, you know, we, we went and reviewed all of our lifecycle emails for when people sign up for a free trial and we're trying to get them to convert. Um, and we, we just we got much more granular in terms of the emails we were sending. So originally, I think we sort of had a few key inflection points where someone signs up for a trial with our software. We know that the key activation metric is when they actually send their first email with our software. And then obviously another key lifecycle event is when they pay for the software. And originally, we sort of built emails around those three, but we got more granular and started to, to add in a few other events, such as what well, they sign up, do they actually install our JavaScript or our API? You know, from there, do they actually create an email? Whether or not they send it is is the key step, but actually creating it was a really uh, valuable, interesting thing to watch as well. And then do they actually send that email so they get beyond the point of testing, get comfortable enough to turn the emails on for their customers. And so we, we broke that down and, and uh, we didn't send you know, more emails to each customer, but we ensured that each email they were getting was you know, much more relevant because if you hadn't installed the JavaScript, obviously we wanted you uh, or you had different challenges or different reasons for not having done that to someone who was at the point of not having sent their first email. So we overhauled that, and that led to some really nice increases uh, in, in conversions as well. So they're just two examples that I think you know are pretty are pretty applicable for for most people and, and are very clear in terms of what we did. And yeah, so so by doing that, you know, by looking at ways to segment further for both the newsletters and those lifecycle emails. We increased our overall email conversions by 250%, which we were we were thrilled with. And the great thing about those lifecycle emails is that they're automated. So we've continued to test, and you know they run constantly. So it's um, not something we have to worry about day in day out. Uh, we know that we've effectively lifted those numbers, you know, hopefully forever, and that we can lift them again, which is uh, awesome as well. So you said that you're that you've lifted this conversion on an ongoing basis. What I'm sort of curious about here is the examples that you used were sort of on a periodic, well, the life cycle ones, that's on an ongoing basis. However, the other example, the AppSumo one, you know, that was just as good as long as the deal existed. I mean, the deal's gone. And so n now that doesn't necessarily uh, have the same impact. For your main list, which I'm assuming, I'm assuming you have a newsletter as well that you send out, It would that be 
you know, the, the primary one that you end up sending out? Exactly. So the biggest list we have is people who read our blog and that's our biggest source of new customers as well. Um, so you're spot on. So I, I guess the question is how, how do we think about that? Because obviously that list is always going to be there. And, uh, and how do you ensure you don't get fatigue, I guess? Maybe, maybe it's a question. Yeah. So fatigue is one thing. I think of that as a, sort of a content strategy and uh, just sort of managing expectations or giving them an opportunity to switch from a daily email to a weekly email or whatever it is that they can adjust their, the frequency with which they receive that message. However, I guess what I'm sort of thinking about here is with the newsletter, with that broad list, is that being increased on the conversion or is it just the conversion uh, works when you target these narrow segments? Yeah, so for the list, what we've done is the big list we don't have is granular, but previously we weren't doing anything. Um, so as part of this experiment, what we do now is we, we think about, I guess, blog readers in two main categories. So you've got people who have just signed up, so they might have read one article. Uh, and then we've got you know, people who have read more than two. So we, you know, we start to call them engaged readers. And then you've got people who are engaged and also signed up for a free trial. Um, and so for the people who are you know, brand new um, and the people who are engaged, if you just focus on those, we, what we've been doing is experimenting with you know, changing the call to action on the, the weekly emails we send out in some instances. So you know, if you're an engaged reader, you probably understand a lot better what our software does. You're obviously coming back, which is really awesome. So you like the content we're putting out. And I think that's a great time to, to put together offers or at least continually say, yeah, did you know you can do this in Vero? Sign up for a free trial. Um, and just by having that split, and which is also something we experiment with on the blog itself with the calls to action that are visible, you know, having a blog sign up versus free trial sign up has, uh, has been effective as well. But we, have, we haven't, haven't gone deeper than that because I, don't, you know, I think we, I guess you can always do better, right? But even having that split between the two sorts of blog readers has been really great for us. I mean, I will say uh, one of our past guests, Laura Roder, she mentioned how she uses in terms of, so conversion in this case out of a newsletter Typically, it's just a click, and then there is an action that you want to have taken. But if you can increase those clicks, which is you know top of the funnel in this case, then that has the biggest impact. And she just sort of catered to curiosity. So, hey, there's this special thing that's on the other side of this link, so click this link, versus revealing everything in the email. So anyways, that, that's sort of tangential to all this. But No, no, I think it's a good point. I mean, curiosity, fear, and greed always seem to... Uh seem to work is what uh, I had someone say to me. Uh, I think that's, yeah, that's a cool example. So, okay. So we've discussed segmentation and breaking out your list into different segments enables you to get higher conversion. So one other area that you had mentioned before was transactional emails and how people can go about uh, improving the performance of those emails. You want to uh, talk about that? Yeah, sure. So it's, I, I was chatting with you about it because it's something that we've had a really awesome reception to on the blog, you know, bigger than we expected. So we put together this guide on, you know, transactional emails and some, some companies that do really good stuff. So by transactional emails, I mean notification emails. So generally what people view as, you know, the boring emails, they're very functional receipts, notifications, you know, here's how you install X, um, you know, thanks for paying those sort of emails. And I think the reason we put together the guide is we felt they're often overlooked. You know, most of the emails you get like this in your inbox are, are, are pretty poor from a marketing perspective. They're very functional, as I said before. And uh, when we put together this guy, we, we looked for examples that we thought were really great in terms of saying, well, sure, it's a functional email, but it's also a really powerful way to get in front of your customer because 
transactional emails have an average open rate, you know, I'm talking about industry-wide of like 50, 50, above 50%, like 52, 53%. Whereas when you look at, you know, newsletters or promotional emails, you know, they're, they're down in the 20s or somewhere. Um, so you're getting many more eyeballs on these transactional emails and it's a prime opportunity to therefore convert some of that um, into, you know, return visits, repeat purchases, referrals, stuff like that. So yeah, the, the crux of the ebook we put out was basically saying, go back and review your transactional emails. That'd be the key takeaway here because generally what happens is for most businesses, when they are setting things up and creating their transactional emails as part of like the first stage of things, because you need these emails to operate. Like if you're an e-commerce store, for example, you can't really turn things on if you're not sending receipts. People are going to get pretty angry, angry and confused about whether they've actually completed a purchase, right? So generally they're, they're rushed together or you use some stock standard templates that come with uh, you know, you know, Rails or you know, Magento or whatever it is that you're using. Um, and so the, the, the trick is to go back and think about them as if they're a marketing email. Uh, and two particular companies that I really liked out of the, the tons that we had in the, like the 30 or whatever that we had in this ebook, uh, well, one was from Amazon, because I always love Amazon. I think they're you know, irrespective of what sort of company you are, Amazon raised the bar in terms of the way they, they iterate on their emails. Uh, but if you get an email from Amazon, you know, like uh, your item is shipped, you know, or here's your receipt, or could you please leave a review, they aren't just like simple emails. They usually have a header of some sort that looks like it's being personalized to you saying, you know, here's a few other links, you know, maybe come and check out this category, come and check out that category. At the bottom, they're usually pushing some form of promotion, like it might be, you know, get 50 bucks off if you sign up for an Amazon Visa credit card, or it might be like, did you know this week we've got a special on cameras or electronics or whatever it is. And uh, as well as that, they'll usually have some sort of like, well, here's a book you've, you've just purchased, here's your receipt. Did you also want to check out these books that other people like you have purchased or or whatever the you know, algorithms they use to calculate that? And that for me is a really you know, great use of that email because they're going to get you to open it you know, often because it's very, very direct and related to the action you just took on their website, which is buying a book or buying whatever. And yet they've got all these opportunities that drive you back to the site to potentially buy something again, you know, if not straight away, then in the near future. And in, you know, in the case of book reviews and stuff, they're driving you back to, uh, to take actions that will refer other customers um, or, or you know, get other customers to buy. So they're very, very savvy in terms of how they turn these rather boring functional notification emails into something that drives revenue for them. And I think, I think we, most people could, could learn from that. And it's just a, a matter of sitting down and reviewing your transactional emails and saying, how can I do better? My second favorite example come from, or examples come from generally airlines, in particular EasyJet. We had some examples from them and they're a European airline. But airlines are very good at, you know, they'll send you a ton of emails if you search for a flight or if you booked a flight. And the examples that I liked were around if you book a flight. So I was going from London to Berlin and they, they're really, really smart at sending these emails to say like, hey, you know, you're flying next weekend or hey, you've got to check in in the next 24 hours. And so those, those are transactional emails. They're giving me useful information or information I have to know, like you have to be at the airport three hours early or whatever. But generally that's a very small piece of information. So what the airlines are very good at doing is then personalizing the rest of the campaign. So if you're going to Berlin, it'll have things like, did you know you can rent a car with X partners in Berlin? Did you know you can go to these hotels, which are EasyJet partners or whatever? And so they're again, they're trying to drive you back to one of their web properties to purchase more, uh, which increases you know, your value as a customer to them. And they're doing this because, you know, they're doing this through these functional emails that they have to send you that do have useful information, uh, so you will open them. And, and in the case of airlines, the examples we had, like, they have subject lines that include your booking code. They look really serious. They're the sorts of emails that you get and you think, well, I have to open this. You know, it's got, hi, Chris, your booking, X, Y, Z, you know, important update notification. <laughs> and in actual fact, you know, it's, uh, 
it's something along the lines of make sure you get to the airport you know, on time and, by the way, book a hotel. And I, and I think it's, uh, it's a really interesting approach you know, because they're, they're not just leaving the email with that one or two lines. They're, um, they're doing a lot better job of it from a marketing perspective. So that, that is two, two companies that I, that I think did a really excellent job. And I think the takeaway here is you know, when's the last time you thought about your transactional emails and you know, how can you go back and insert some, some life into those and some direct marketing calls to action? You know, in, a, in our own case, we, you know, I know we could do a lot better on certain ones of ours around payment and, and other things. So I think everyone can improve on this. I, I really do like the example of the airline there, although you could take that to an extreme. What, there's a number of things that I'm wondering about there. The first is I'm assuming that people can opt out of those types of emails from the airline because it, it it's not all explicitly transactional. Like because they purchased the ticket and there is a date, it is understandable that like the first transactional email is, hey, you purchased it, here's your confirmation or here's your ticket or whatever. However, beyond that, the sort of reminder emails, uh, that's sort of, I guess you could call an added value that they're providing, uh, but it's also incredibly clever. I mean, theoretically you could say, hey, it's 30 days before your trip. Hey, it's 14 days before your trip. Hey, your trip is next week, check this thing out. Hey, your trip's tomorrow. So I, w I wonder like, how far they'd push that uh, envelope when it comes to uh, providing those types of notifications. Yeah, they push the envelope hard. And I think a lot of these big companies do. Like if you look at Facebook, if you, if you sign up and you don't complete or someone sends you a friend request, you'll, you'll often notice they charge you with these sorts of transactional emails per se. But yeah, I think you're spot on. We, and it, emails like that reminder where, I don't know what you're saying, you know, it's an added value, like there is information in there, but they didn't have to send it. There's no legal requirement to do so. So when it starts to get like that and you, and you have these marketing transactional emails, they are what, more probably what we term behavioral emails where they, they are marketing emails that are triggered by some event. And you, I, you know, I think the right approach is, is, as you said, you should be letting customers opt out of these things. Always think, you know, what would I want if I was receiving this email? This is how I think about it as an email marketer and, and do the right thing, take the moral high ground. Um, and as long as you're letting people opt out, then that's fine. You know, you, you are complying with uh, what you need to comply with and, uh, and you know, you can get a lot of value out of these things whilst ensuring that your customers have the uh, ability to, to control what they receive. Okay, so we discussed uh, segmentation. We discussed transactional emails. There was one thing that you mentioned, which is sort of the future of email. And this has already been a trend that we've seen, but you know, digital technology has enabled a lot of this to get way better, and that's personalization. So, you know, what is your view on where this is going? I mean, obviously you have a product that is supporting this type of stuff, but I'd be curious to hear, you know, what examples of things do you have and, you know, what does, what does the future look like? Yeah, so I think when you, you know, when I say personalization, usually people think of subject lines or, you know, emails where it starts with, hey, Chris, or, you know, hey, Nick at the start, you know, and that, and that is basic personalization where you're, you're inserting someone's first name or, you know, their location and, you know, personalization and segmentation go hand in hand, but usually segmentation is like saying, well, you know, I've got a list of a hundred thousand people and I broke it down into five groups. And for me, personalization is saying, how do I get each individual email to be truly customized to the person that's about to receive it? And I think in the future, you know, as you said, what, what we're always already seeing from smart companies who, who know how to harness the data they have is these emails uh, or that are you know 
truly personalized in terms of each core piece of content in that email is different for the person receiving it. So, you know, if you're sending out an offer, you know, with X percent off, wouldn't it be amazing if you could adjust the percentage off based on each individual user receiving it? You know, I'm just talking hypothetically this sort of thing we can see here. But two examples that I love um, come from you know, customers of ours. So one is a, is a company called Shoes of Prey and they make custom women's shoes. So you, know, you can go on, you can pick a style, you can pick you know, all the elements of the shoe, you know, what material, what color. It's really, really cool stuff. And what they've done is originally for their follow-up emails, they were, you know, they were doing a really good job. They had a whole series of follow-up emails for people who started designing a shoe or even completed designing a shoe but didn't purchase it or did purchase it but, but never returned. And what they are now doing is they've, they've got some really smart engines on their side that can work out, well, uh, this looks like the sort of shoe you have begun designing or you have designed like they say well maybe it looks sort of like a wedding shoe because you were using white satin materials or you know, it looks like you were after an office shoe because it was black and flat or, or whatever and in the emails that, that go out and, and, in, and in their on-site customization as well they're now starting to say well you know we think that you personally as an individual based on your totally custom design uh, could do with these tips and tricks or here's some other examples of shoes that you might find uh, inspirational for you and They've, they've now got uh, around 30% or you know, 27%, 28% of customers um, coming back thanks to their emails to redesign a second pair of shoes, which is obviously really, really great for their bottom line you know, when you've got these people coming back to start the process again. And so it shows how you know, by taking that, you know, in their case, they've, they've got this really personalized data and they're taking it to the next level by saying, well, we have a pretty good idea of what we think you're doing as an individual, so let's, uh, let's try and help you achieve the next step in our, in our funnel uh, by using the data we have on you. Uh, another example comes from a more traditional retailer where you know, they send out newsletters all the time and they've always got a range of products in those newsletters, but they change the range of products based on what you know, the individual has looked at on their website, you know, where they're located, and a whole bunch of other metrics. So that you know, in essence, every single email that goes out, we're talking hundreds of thousands of emails, is completely different uh, based on what the recipient has browsed, where that recipient's located, et cetera. And so yeah, that's much more sophisticated personalization than just saying, you know, hey, Chris, hey, John, you know, hey, Sally, in the, at the start of the email. It's actually saying that, you know, the, the core part of the email, the part that's going to get people to click through is totally different based on what, you know, John, Sally, or Chris has done. Uh, and I think more and more, you know, companies are going to do this. Companies like Amazon have been able to do it for a long time because they've had huge email marketing budgets and huge email marketing teams. Um, but hopefully thanks to tools like ours and thanks to this the paradigm of being able to capture the data as it happens, you know, more and more of us will be able to uh, you know, actually do this sort of awesome personalization. So one thing that pops to mind here, though, is, you know, personalization is the holy grail. Ultimately, everyone is receiving a personalized message to them that's incredibly relevant. However, part of what you just described to me immediately makes me think a lot of that work is done on the back end by some developer who that company can employ, who's basically implementing a lot of this logic, right? It's not, uh, it's not simply, now I guess, I don't know what your vision is for your own company, but theoretically you could be tracking custom events, but really what's happening is, you know, if this event occurs or this product is viewed or this product is purchased, send them this uh, in, in their email. But it sounds like a lot of that information uh, requires it's for larger companies, I guess. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, I think it's it's for companies where I think it's probably out of the things we've talked about. You know, it is the last stage thing I would recommend optimizing in the sense that it's it's going to take a bit more work and the gains 
can be really, really amazing. But generally, yeah, you, you probably need a, a bigger list so you can see those gains faster. Um, and it's not it's not the lowest hanging fruit, I would say. And I would also say that, you know, and this is what we're you know, working really hard to solve, but I think that, you know, like you're saying, at the moment, a lot of this, you, you still need to incorporate a lot of uh, the data and, and pull a lot of this from your own website. You know, so we've, we've tried to build tools to accommodate that situation at the moment. But, I, you know, we think that as time goes by, the tools should be able to, you should be able to leverage the tools that are out there more and more to actually achieve some of this stuff. Um, so how can the tools help recommend stuff for you in essence? And uh, and, that, and that's a really exciting thought. But yeah, definitely for now, I, you know, if, I totally agree. It's not the lowest hanging fruit, but if you're at a point where you've, you, know, you already do a lot of A-B testing and you've got some great automated emails and you're looking for that, the thing that can really take it to the next level and, uh, and get you ahead of everyone else, uh, this could be something that's totally worth investing time in. You know, one thing that pops into my mind right now as we're discussing this is kind of uh, the emerging of automated messaging. Basically, I guess the better way of saying it is more automated personalization, which is what you just described. And I think of companies like Salesforce, where salespeople would manually enter this information into a database. But in the instances that you're using, it's simply the computer is just collecting a lot of similar information. But the end goal is all the same which is to get another sale out of that process. I just wonder how, you know, traditional CRMs, it seems like they're, they're sort of converging together, I guess, if that's, that's a way of describing it. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think the, the, it's always an interesting debate. Like I've talked to people who say Marketo and Exact Target. There's a huge amount of overlap between, you know, more traditional CRM or CRM automation and then tools that come at, at it from a, an email marketing perspective. And um, I think particularly, I think you're right, you know, for a lot of our, online businesses now, you know, even in our own business, there's, there's a huge overlap between a bunch of the automa automated emails we send and then the more manual touch points, you know, if a customer writes to support uh, or if, you know, they get in touch with me directly, for example, that I'm talking to them and, and being savvy about how all that links together is is really important as well. Yeah, so, I, you know, I think I think things are converging together and, and it's, uh, yeah, it's, a change, it's a fun changing landscape, but ha handling all that uh, is, uh, yeah, is an interesting, interesting piece. Well, I think we covered pretty much everything. If someone wants to get in touch, uh, how can they reach you? Sure. So my Twitter is at chexton, so at chexton. Uh, or you can email me directly. You know, I'm more than happy. I love hearing from people. Um, so chris at getvero, G-E-T-V-E-R-O.com. Thanks so much for coming on. No worries. Thanks for having me, Nick. Listeners, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this week's podcast. And I look forward to seeing you next week. Shout it out, cause you got something to shout about And let the world just spin around as you go on and make